Presenting Linfield Theatre Podcast Productions, The Deal of a Lifetime, by Hilika Campbell and Ellie Gossett, directed by Alexandria Hunter. This podcast contains graphic and disturbing imagery and may not be suitable for all listeners. Another customer leaves the store, a newly bought TV under her arm and an excited smile on her face. The mall is packed today, just like any other day before, with Brady being the only employee on shift at Hosby Electronics. He glances down at his watch. 11.45 a.m. Brady sighs and adjusts the model 32-inch flat-screen TV on the shelf. As he does this, the mall intercom starts playing the usual ad. Hello, shoppers, and thank you for visiting the Parrington Plaza. Make sure to catch today's sweet deals before they're gone. Extra savings mall wide for this special occasion. Brady rolls his eyes, unfazed by the recording. It's the same ad he's heard for the last four months, and the novelty has long since worn off. Ah, yes, the special deals, the ones that are totally not still going to blow a major hole in your wallet. Brady finishes mumbling to himself as he turns and sees a tired-looking college student staring back at him. She glances down awkwardly as Brady feels his face flush with panic, wondering if she'd overheard his comment. Oh, uh, hi. Welcome to Husby Electronics, where the prices are shockingly low and the service is wired to fit your needs. (laughs) What can I do for you today? Do they make you say that every time? Unfortunately, yes. Company policy. Annoy the customer first, help later. Just comes with the territory. Fair enough, I guess. I was looking for a new tablet. My old one fried itself last night, and I can't really do anything without it. Sure. If you would just follow me, they should be right over here. Brady leads the student towards a small display case filled with different tablets and laptops. She bites her lip, her hand tightening around the strap of her purse. Her eyes glance towards the price tags listed beneath the different electronics. Do you have anything... cheaper? Well, these ones over here are probably our cheapest, but they don't tend to have as much storage space, and our customers tend to bring them back for repairs pretty often. If if you're looking for something with more features, though, I'd really recommend this one over here. It just needs to be able to connect to the internet and run something I can write papers on. My last computer was from 2010. I'm not looking to have all the works. Ah, well, in that case, we might have some laptops in the back that might suit you better. Uh, They should work pretty well, and they're much more durable than tablets. Should be cheaper, too. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um... She squints at his name tag. He smiles and offers his hand instead. It's Brady. Alex, it's nice to meet you. As Brady directs Alex towards the back of the store, he begins to hear loud voices growing closer as two more customers enter. Not wanting to deal with the pair, he keeps his attention focused on Alex and ignores the newcomers. Hey, C. I'm hungry. Jesus Christ, you just ate! A young child is half-dragged into the store by their babysitter, Casey, who appears to be in their late teens or early twenties and exhaustedly enters the storefront. But I want a pretzel now! I can smell them! Please! I want pretzels! Don't be such a brat. We wouldn't be here in the first place if you didn't break the charger. If you don't shut up, I'll leave you here. The child huffs and starts to breathe heavily on the edge of a full tear fest, but holds themselves together enough to enter the store without further protest. Good. Now where are the damn chargers? Brady sighs in relief as the two quiet down and begin to peruse the aisles. 
He turns back to Alex, who's inspecting the cheapest options available. Uh, that's a good one. Pretty popular with college students. It's the only one that won't break the budget this month. Uh, I get that. Brady guides Alex to the register and begins to ring up the computer. As he does, he pauses and smiles. Brady picks up a small piece of paper and scans it, taps at the keys, and then turns to Alex. And, uh, how will you be paying today? Credit. As Alex removes her credit card from her purse, she glances at the total, noticeably 15% off from the listed price. Oh, I didn't see a tag on this. I'm sorry? For the sale. I always thought the overhead announcements were kind of bullshit, but I guess they were for real this time. Brady smiles and opens his mouth to speak, but is interrupted as the muffled sound of hurried footsteps builds slowly from outside. Get inside! Now! Brady furrows his eyebrows and looks up from the register, becoming slightly alarmed. Suddenly, two people rush into the store's entrance, a well-dressed older man and a mousy-looking woman. Brady begins to hear distant shouts and screams, and cautiously moves around the register to approach the customers. As he passes Alex, he motions for her to stay. If you would just, uh, wait here a second? Alex nods as Brady moves to the storefront. Without so much as a glance to Brady, the man and woman begin fiddling with the rolling gate above the entrance. Can you reach that? Uh, excuse me, sir, ma'am? You uh, can't... almost got it! Close it! Hurry up! The older man looks out at the swarm of people running about. More customers of the mall run past, ducking into other shops and heading to common exits. After seeing none are heading in his direction, he slams the rolling gate to the ground, locking it into the hook underneath. Brady taps on the man's shoulder. Uh, hello? The two that just entered the store startle at the sound of his voice and turn, bristling with fear. The man grips Brady's shoulders firmly, trembling. Is there an exit in here? I'm sorry? Is there a way to exit the building from here? I, I mean, the main entrance is on the other side of the yes store. Yes or no? Is there a way out of the store? N- no. The tension grows in the room as the newcomers look to the ground in defeat. What's going on? I can't really say. I heard screams and started running. Alex, confused by the slamming of the gate, begins to approach the front. Between the commotion and overhearing the newcomer's story, her face drops in fear. Oh god, is it a shooter? No, I, I don't think so. Then what is it? The click of someone sprinting in low heels echoes through the now empty hallway. Brady shifts himself to get a better view of the outside, and his eyes widen as he recognizes Stacy, an employee of the Auntie Anne's kiosk from around the corner. She runs to the rolling gate and tries to lift it to no avail. Her eyes lock onto the others inside, pleading with them. Lloyd begins to move, but Rosalind grabs his arm, gently shaking her head. At the sound of the screaming, Casey and Booger approach the front, behind the majority of the group. Feeling worried, Casey moves Booger to stand behind them. Stacy! Stacy! Brady pushes past Lloyd and looks out of the metal gate. Without warning, a dark, thick tentacle emerges from the side and wraps around Stacy's neck. She tries to scream, but just as the noise is about to leave her mouth, her head is forced through the narrow metal slats of the rolling gate, the sound of the impact echoing throughout the entire mall. Her skull shatters as gray matter is strewn onto the floor, 
Any remnants of a face are destroyed as Brady watches in horror as the tentacle retracts and Stacy's body crumples. Everyone, back away from the gate. Holy shit! I said away from the gate! The group slowly comes to their senses and then quickly moves to take cover behind shelves, attempting to process what has happened. The man turns to whisper to Brady. That woman from before. together. I didn't know her very well, but I knew she had just gotten a promotion. I'm so sorry. Is it gone? I, I think so. <laughs> what, what was that out there? I, I just saw the shadow and then the, the, the tentacle came out of nowhere and Brady trails off, his eyes still wide in shock and horror. He shakes a little as the man places a gentle hand on his shoulder, a reassuring look on his face. He turns to the others. Listen, I I don't know what that thing is out there, but my name is Lloyd. I, I don't know how long we'll be in here, so what's your name? Brady points to his name tag tiredly. Brady, I, uh, work here. Oh, for fuck's sake! Brady glances up and sees Casey sitting with the child. Suddenly, the voice clicks into place and a wave of both comfort and dread drip down his spine. Oh my god, Casey? Is that you? Holy shit, it's been forever. This is seriously the worst. It's bad enough we're being attacked by some some monster and I get stuck in here with you? Lloyd puts his hands up in a defensive position. Hey, look, I know we're all on edge here. Casey, is it? But we need to stay calm. Is that your kid? Uh, God, no. I'm just supposed to look after them until four o'clock. This is Booger. Casey gestures to a young child, about seven years of age, that is staring into the distance. Their breathing is strained as the child struggles to pull air into their snot-filled nose. They move behind Casey and wave nervously. Hi. Booger. Huh. I would hope your parents didn't name you that. No, they call me that, too. It's because of my allergies. The child says this a little too proudly, wiping at their nose with their sleeve. Lloyd chuckles, a little disgusted. Ah, I'm Rosalind. This was the closest Starbucks to my job, and my boss wanted coffee. As if crushing my soul in the office wasn't enough, he sends me to my actual death. Asshole! I'm Alex. God, I I was just about to leave, too. If I hadn't left any sooner, then... Alex looks in the direction of Stacy's remains and grimaces. Her color hasn't improved much, and her hands are still shaking. Well, it's very nice to meet you all. While it would have been better under normal circumstances, I suppose we'll have to make do. Does anyone have a phone? I mean, we're in a store that sells electronics. Right. Shall we call the police? Brady nods, an anxious look in his eye. He takes out his cell phone and dials 911. He paces nervously as it rings. Alex, are you doing okay? I'm not sure. I mean, no, no, I I just watched a girl's head get smashed through the gate. I'm not okay, but I'm not puking, so there's that. 911, what's your emergency? Hello? Everyone grows silent as they listen to Brady. Uh, hi. God, where do I even start? Uh... I'm in the Hosby Electronics at the Parrington Plaza, and I 
I just saw a woman get murdered by something outside. I didn't get a good look at it, but it definitely wasn't human. Yes, I have five other people here with me. Look, one of them's a kid, and we really need help here. Yes, thank you. And how long? Okay. Is there any way I can stay on the line until then? I just... Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. Brady hangs up the phone and puts it down on the counter. Well, they said to stay put, and they'll be here soon. Both the fire and police department are on their way now. That's great. And they know exactly where we are, so it should be easy to rescue us. So what do we do in the meantime? Stay where we are, I guess. Just as Brady finishes speaking, the ad begins to play again. He looks around as the audio distorts slightly and watches in horror as a massive shadow is cast over the front of the store. His eyes well up with tears as fear beyond belief runs down his spine. Everyone drops to the floor behind the shelves again and sits in silence as they all wait anxiously for the nightmare to come to an end. Hello shoppers and thank you for visiting the Parrington Plaza. Make sure to catch today's sweet deals before they're gone. Extra savings from all wives for this special occasion. The smell of iron and stomach acid hangs in the air as the survivors attempt to busy themselves while waiting for their rescue. Seconds seem to last hours as they strain their ears, trying to hear any sort of life or clue as to what is waiting beyond the gate, but they are only met with silence. Brady sits at the register, drumming his fingers on the counter and checking his watch from time to time. Booger is watching Casey play a game on their phone, while not too far from them, Alex digs through her purse impatiently, failing to find what she's looking for. Lloyd stands near Rosalind, who sits with her hands folded in her lap as she stares out the rolling gate. Lloyd pulls out his phone and dials his husband's number. It rings, and rings, and rings. Lloyd tightens his fist and takes a deep breath as the voicemail plays and waits for the beep. Hey, it's me. I, I know I promised I'd be home quick, but, well, I've gotten sort of stuck. I'm at the mall right now. I'm sure you've already seen the news. It's not looking good over here, Hamish. But I'm not hurt. I've got a couple of other people here with me, and we're just waiting for the police. I know it probably sounds like I'm blowing you and Charlie off again, but I swear I'll be back as soon as I can. So don't give up on me just yet, all right? I love you. Bye. Lloyd ends the message and stares at the screen for a second before turning his ringer to full blast and placing it back in his pocket. Was that your... My husband, Hamish. How is he doing? Good, I hope. We were going to have lunch today. My son Charlie just won the spelling bee last week, and we were supposed to be celebrating... Not at the food court, I would hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I was just stopping here on the way. Hamish just wore through his favorite cashmere sweater, so I came to buy him a new one. That's so sweet of you. I'm sure I'll appreciate the thought. At this point, it's just a thought. Lloyd gestures to the lack of shopping bags around him. Oh, it's not like he could hold that against you, though. 
You've been trapped in an electronic store with a bunch of strangers by an evil tentacle monster. I think you get a pass for not bringing home a sweater. Lloyd laughs gently, with a false smile on his face. <laughs> You'd be surprised. His expectations are pretty high when it comes to gift-giving. Rosalind motions for him to come closer, and he moves to sit at her side. You know what I'm going to do when I get out of here? I'm going to walk into my boss's office, without his coffee, and I'm going to tell him, Bob, you've always been a real bastard, and today was the last straw. I'm quitting, so fuck you and fuck this company. Then I'll slam the door on his stupid face and never go back. Yikes. You must really hate that job of yours. Oh, yes. Every day it's, get me coffee, or burnt these papers, or don't interrupt the meeting. I spent 15 years working as their secretary, and not once has anyone ever thanked me. I've never gotten a promotion. I've never gotten a pay raise. Hell, I've never been invited to the company parties. Everyone just tosses me work way outside my job description, and I was supposed to do it all with a smile. And I did. For 15 years. But no, after this, I can't live like that anymore. I'm going to quit, and then do whatever the hell I want. Good. Stand up for yourself. Oh, believe me. When I'm done with Bob, what happened to that Stacy girl is going to look merciful. There is a pause in the room. Everyone but Booger freezes. Brady glances at the corpse. Well, I, uh, wish you luck on that. I hope it goes well. Thank you. Same goes to you with that husband of yours. <laughs> I'll need more than luck for that, but thank you. The two fall quiet as Rosalind stares out the rolling gate and imagines how her resignation will go. A less peaceful conversation breaks out across the room. Please? Can I have a turn, Casey? Please? No, you already used up your screen time for the day. You know this. That was ages ago. Don't care. Your parents said you only get 30 minutes while I'm watching you, and it's my phone. I'm bored. Casey? Booger reaches for the phone, and Casey yanks it out of the way. In that moment, the game registers Booger's finger as a part of it and slams the character into a wall, where it dies. Ugh! That was going to be my best run yet. I'm so telling your parents you were bad today. No, 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 please! Uh, shut up, or that thing out there is going to come in and crush you, too. This comment sends the child into hysterics. Alex, who is already monitoring the situation, perks her head up and glares at Casey. God, the faster we can get out of here, the faster I can get paid, and I'll never have to deal with you again. What is your problem? Casey rolls their eyes and settles back down, ignoring the crying child next to them. Are you seriously just going to sit there? Booger is a child. You can't just give them the cold shoulder, especially when they're in a high-stress situation. You need to be patient with them. Right, like you're an expert on children. Studying to be, actually. Developmental psych. That's hardly the point, though, because it's common fucking sense to not tell a child they're going to be crushed by a monster just because you don't want to share your phone. Whatever. If you're so great with kids, why don't you deal with them, since you're clearly so much better than I am? That's not what I said. Casey pulls out their phone and starts the game up again, ignoring both Booger's cries and Alex's lecture. Alex sighs and moves to sit by Booger. Hey, Booger, why don't you try playing with this for a bit? She pulls out a small fidget cube from her pocket and offers it to the child. They take it reluctantly, marveling at the different sides. Booger wipes at their tear-filled eyes with their sleeve and looks back up at Alex. 
What is it? It's a fidget cube. I use it whenever I feel sad or scared. It's sort of my good luck charm, in a way. And does it make you feel better? <laughs> yep. Uh, here, my favorite side is this one with the switch. Give it a shot. Booger begins flicking the switch, slowly at first, but goes faster and faster as they become deeply enamored by the device. Casey stops playing their game and watches Booger intently. Half impressed by this previously unseen level of attention, and half annoyed by the clicking. Great! Just what we needed. A shitty piece of plastic that makes a ton of noise. Did you forget about the massive bloodthirsty beast outside, or...? Booger suddenly jumps up with the fidget cube and interrupts Casey. Whoa! It totally works! I don't feel so scared anymore! Thanks a lot, Alex! Of course! See, Casey? Patience! Casey sneers at Alex, about to fire back when they see Brady making his way over. They scowl and look away, biting their tongue. What's going on over here? Alex let me play with her fidget cube. It's super cool. Wanna see? Oh, I have one of those back home too. They're pretty neat. Of course you do. Seriously, what is your deal? There's no need to be such an asshole. We're all freaked out right now. The least you could do is show a little humanity. Did you not see that thing out there and what it did to that woman? Her skull was completely shattered. It has more than enough strength to tear open that gate. And all it has to hear is a couple of clicks from your stupid toy and it'll come in and rip us apart too. Upon hearing this, Booger stops messing with the switch, looking dejected at the floor. Brady puts a gentle hand on their shoulder. Casey, you really shouldn't say stuff like that. Help is on the way. We're, we're going to get out of here. Get up, Booger. We're going to the back. Casey pulls Booger by the arm towards the back, refusing to make eye contact with Brady. Booger drops the fidget cube and gasps as it clatters on the floor. Casey's phone is shoved into Booger's hands before they can whine and sits with the child on the back wall. Alex crosses her arms, glancing at the dropped fidget cube on the ground. Brady moves to sit next to her and stares in the direction Casey went, exhausted. Don't take it personally. Casey can be... Rough around the edges. I'm sure they didn't mean anything by it. It's just Casey being Casey. You two know each other. Uh, yeah. Casey and I go way back. We went out for a while, but that was in high school. End of senior year, some big news came out. They didn't take it too well. Things just haven't been the same since. That sucks. Did you guys ever talk about it after? No. No, we, we graduated, and I thought they went off to college. Casey always said they wanted to get out of this place, move to the other side of the country if they could. I guess we both figured we'd never see each other again, so there's no point in patching things up. It's still nice to have closure, though, especially if you two are close. You shouldn't just leave things unresolved, even if they were leaving for good. Brady turns to face Alex, clenching his fists tightly. He looks like he wants to say something, but stops himself before the words leave his mouth. He takes a deep breath and gives Alex a sad smile before continuing. It's not that easy, Alex. We both said a lot of things we shouldn't have, and I think in the end we both just want it all to be buried. This isn't something that needs to be fixed. It's something that needs to be left alone. Alex nods softly and chooses not to push the subject. They both fall silent for a moment, neither sure of what to say. Brady eventually breaks the silence himself. I just hope Booger's going to be okay. This is all pretty traumatic. I can't imagine trying to deal with all of this as a kid. Yeah, 
It's a lot to try and deal with this kind of situation, but kids are pretty pliable. You'd be surprised by what they can handle. They should be able to bounce back pretty easily, with a couple of years in therapy and a good support system. You're pretty passionate about this kind of stuff, huh? Uh, well, I mean, it is what I'm going to college for. I, I wouldn't be in student debt if I wasn't. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Why kids, though? Why not? They're our future, and we can learn a lot about ourselves by seeing how they grow. It's kind of like a puzzle, you know? You see the pieces before you see the picture, and you only get to see what makes the picture when you understand the pieces. Did you grow up loving puzzles? <laughs> not really. I liked playing house a lot. It was when I took AP Psych, I found out I loved developmental stuff. It sounds like you've really found your calling. And yours? I'm not sure yet. Nothing really stuck out in high school, so college felt like it would be a waste for me. After I graduated, I applied to the first place that would pay me just enough to get by, and I, I've been here ever since. Well, there's still time to find what you really want to do with your life. Once we get out of here, that is. I have a feeling you probably won't want to work here after all this. <laughs> You're probably right. The two sit in a comfortable silence. Alex's color has improved, but her hands are still shaky. She grabs the fidget cube for herself and starts playing with it, the noise working as a nice backdrop for Brady as he rests his eyes. Static begins to play over the intercom. Brady opens his eyes and sees the panicked glances between those around him. Everyone, get behind yourself! The group does as he says as the advertisement begins to play once more. Brady presses his back to the wall and closes his eyes, hoping beyond hope that this isn't the last thing he will hear. Alex stops fidgeting with the cube, Casey's words echoing in the back of her mind. She squeezes her hand around it as tight as possible, knuckles white and shaking. Lloyd and Rosalind duck behind the register. Booger holds the phone tight, continuing to play the game as Casey watches, unaware of the meaning of the ad. Hello, shoppers, and thank you for visiting the parent and planter. Make sure to catch today's sweet deals before they're gone. Extra savings may arrive for this special occasion. Lloyd's stomach growls as he sits tapping his foot, straining to hear anything outside. He opens his phone. 2.34 p.m. No new notifications. He glances around. Booger and Casey are still sitting up against the back wall, their phone plugged into a nearby outlet. Both of them are glued to the screen. Rosalind is nodding off to the side while Brady stands at the register, tapping his fingers. Alex paces the back of the store nervously, the contents of her bag strewn about around her. She looks up. Do we really not have any food in here? Sorry, we're not really allowed to keep any snacks in here. Store policy. It's just, I'm not supposed to take my medication on an empty stomach, and I really can't go on much longer without it. Oh, Jesus, how much longer are you going to keep whining? He already said there's nothing here. Just sit down already. Alex stares at Casey, feeling nausea rise once more in her chest as the idea of no food truly hits her. She swallows hard and nods, folding her hands into fists and tightening them in an attempt to stop the shakiness. It does nothing to help, and the girl lets herself sink to the ground, 
worry written across her face. Brady glances to her sympathetically and hangs his head, wishing there was something he could do. Casey taps their fingers on their wrist, glancing between the gate and the time displayed on their phone. Casey looks to Booger, who appears tense but unaware of the gravity of the situation. Booger, it's time to go. Really? Yeah. This catches Lloyd's attention as he turns to the two. What? Booger and I are leaving. Ah, how nice. You can't leave. (laughs) We've been sitting here for hours. We haven't heard anything from outside. No footsteps, no screams, nothing. It's probably on the other side of the mall right now. We could sneak out through the front doors and be home way before it'll even see us. You don't know that for sure, though. (laughs) None of us know anything just staying here. If you want to go wait for it to come find you, fine. Be my guest, but I'm not dying in the world's shittiest electronics store with you. Come on, the police are on their way. Let's just wait for them to come get us. And where the fuck are they, Brady? Huh? We called them three hours ago, and we haven't heard shit since then. Face it, whatever's out there is way too big for the police to stop. If they could, they would have done it already. What are you trying to say? The police aren't coming! No one is coming! God, you people are so stupid! Don't you get it? If we want to get out of here, we have to save ourselves. Booger looks up at Casey, tugging their sleeve with a worried expression. Casey ruffles their hair, smiling softly, but it does not reach their eyes. Casey? People like us don't get saved, Booger. We get left behind. So if you want to see your parents again, we need to be the ones who leave first. Booger nods slowly, not really understanding the situation, but not wanting to disobey Casey either. Lloyd crosses the room to them. Let's not do anything rash. We're safer in numbers, after all. If we stick together, we're more likely to survive than if you take the child and run. As he says this, he reaches out and tries to put a hand on Casey's shoulder. Casey recoils at his touch and bumps into one of the model TVs on the counter. It topples over immediately, large glass shards breaking off of the screen. Booger flinches at the noise and runs to hide behind Brady. You're just as scared as everyone else. Don't act like you're better than me. Casey, come on. Shut up, Brady! I couldn't care less about what you have to say right now. You're a coward and you always will be, so just stay out of my way. Brady falls silent, his eyes suddenly locked on the floor. Casey begins to move towards the rolling gate, fiddling with the lock at the bottom. Maybe we should let them leave. What? It's not like all this arguing is getting us anywhere. Plus, if those two do make it out, maybe they can direct help to us faster. Lloyd stands, mouth open, glancing between Rosalind and Casey, before he can get in a word to argue against this. Booger, come here. We're leaving. Booger cautiously walks over to Casey, who firmly takes the child's hand. They release the lock and slowly pull it upwards. Casey scans the area directly outside the store and, aside from Stacy's corpse, is relieved to see no sign of the monster. They turn back to the group whispering. The closest exit is through the department store on the right, yeah? Brady swallows hard. Yeah. Great. Casey lifts the gate higher. The noise of the metal rolling is painfully loud. With the gate lifted enough so they can crawl out, Casey turns their back to the mall and holds their hand out for Booger to grab onto. Come on. Booger is about to reach out. Casey watches the eyes of the others suddenly grow wide. Static fills the air as a tentacle shoots in from the outside and wraps around their waist. 
Casey screams. Brady and Lloyd snap into action. Alex drags Booger back from the entrance, the child now kicking and screaming as they watch their babysitter getting sucked into the void. Brady and Lloyd barely reach under the gate in time to grab onto Casey's legs and start pulling with all their might. Casey attempts to punch the tentacles. Their thick muscle doesn't budge, and the flesh causes Casey's hands to fly upward. With each attack, the tentacle squeezes tighter. Brady and Lloyd pull with all their might. Rosalind positions herself on the rolling gate, ready to slam it closed when whichever side wins is out of the way. Casey continues to scream, now in pain instead of fear. Casey feels their bodies start to elongate as the opposite forces meet their match. They are broken down into hysterics, crying as they feel their bodies stretched beyond reason. Lloyd and Brady continue to pull, and in a flash there is a sickening crunch and rip as they are flung back into the store. Rosalind slams down the rolling gate and latches it, looking at the trailing and now pooling blood right under the gate. There is silence as everyone tries to figure out what happened. Lloyd looks down, seeing Casey's shoes. He follows up their ankles, calves, thighs, and hips. As he tries to look further up, he notices a distinct lack of person. Instead, one of Casey's intestines is stretched under the gate. It's pulled taut on the other side. Breathless, he, Brady, and Rosalind watch it snap and dragged out of sight. Alex crumples to the ground, silently crying as she attempts to keep herself from puking. Booger is silent for a moment. An old moving blanket lays on top of what remains of Casey's body the fabric absorbing the blood and working to stifle the stench. Rosalind sits by herself. Brady and Alex comfort Booger, letting the child play with the fidget cube once more. Both are shell-shocked and fighting to stay present, with the knowledge the child needs their help being the only thing keeping them grounded. Lloyd is on the phone again, pinching the bridge of his nose as he is sent to voicemail once more. Hey, uh... It's me, again. Things are, well, they're getting pretty desperate over here. A girl died not too long ago. She seemed pretty young. The worst part was there was just, there was just nothing I could do. Hamish, I'm scared. Why won't you pick up your phone? You can't possibly still think I did this on purpose. That's bullshit. And you know it. You know I love you. And I love Charlie. Look, just call me back. We can talk about this. Lloyd hangs up the phone and presses his hands on his face, rubbing his eyes. Damn it! Quite the happy couple. What the fuck is your problem? Nothing. Are you sure? Because it seems to me like you're the only person in this situation that doesn't seem to notice that people are dying. If you hadn't told Casey to leave, 
they'd still be alive and not in pieces on the floor. Oh, absolutely not. You are not blaming me for this. Casey made their choice, and we're better off now than we were before. How can you say that? Do you even hear yourself? It's the truth. They were the one causing the most trouble here. They were useless, picking fights, and pouting in the corner. But them leaving gave us more information about where the monster is. And that's information we wouldn't have gotten if they had stayed. That's not the point. This isn't a battle for information. It's a battle for our lives. No one should die for anyone else. And to think that it's... It's evil. Bloody evil. Just how many people are you going to let that monster have? The argument has grown so loud that it starts upsetting Booger again, and they begin to cry. Brady looks helplessly between the child and the adults, trying to decide who to focus on. Please, shut up. Are you serious? Use your head. We have no idea what we're up against here. If we want to survive, we need to start taking risks to learn what we can. Casey's life wasn't your risk to take. If they didn't die, we would have all left through the gate and died with them. Is that what you wanted? Things are better this way, Lloyd. I'm sorry Casey died. I'm sure they were going real far with that shitty attitude of theirs. But we need to take what we can from it and move on. What we need to do is stay inside the store where it can't kill anyone else. How do you know it won't come in here? How do you know it's not just waiting outside? Shut up, shut up, shut up! Brady looks to Alex, who is curled into a ball with her hands over her ears, eyes wide and staring at the ground, body shaking. It hasn't come in so far. Only so far. That thing is strong enough to smash a girl's face through the gate and rip Casey in half. Who's to say it isn't strong enough to get through the gate itself? God, I just... I want this all to end. Face it, Lloyd. It's just playing with us. You've lost it. Booger drops the fidget cube and continues crying. Alex begins to cry as well, body shaking hard. Alex, here, I'll, I'll try and calm Booger down, okay? Why don't you go in the back to rest for a while? Alex nods and slowly uncurls herself, still shaking, and moves to the back room. Brady turns to Booger. Hey, Booger. It's going to be okay. Everyone's just a little freaked out right now. No, I'm serious. If it has that much strength, why hasn't it broken the gate? Why not attack us directly? I don't know. And that's why we need information. Here, try the cube again. Brady picks up the thrown fidget cube and clicks the switch a few times. Booger settles slightly, <laughs> hiccuping. Seeing their fascination, Brady presses a few of the buttons and then hands it over. The child begins playing with it again, covering it in snot freshly rubbed from their nose. The way you get information gets people killed. There is no way in hell I'm letting you go any further with this. Nothing else we've done has been nearly as effective as letting the- Rosalind, you could have gotten a child killed. Booger startles again at this and drops the fidget cube in fear. They begin to cry. <laughs> Brady looks around, clenching his teeth as the anger boils up inside. He stands. Could you two just shut up? In a shock, everyone in the room turns and stops talking, including Booger, who stops crying. God, look at yourselves. 
Booker and Alex are a mess. I just watched my ex get torn in half and you two are arguing like it's someone's fault. You're supposed to be the adults of the group, so start acting like it. What happened to Casey was, was awful, but we need to pull it together right now. For everyone's sake. But they... No, listen. Rosalind is right. We need to know what we're dealing with. See? But we need to find out without more people dying. So you two need to cooperate and figure something out. Understood? As Brady finishes, static begins to creep in over the intercom, immediately catching everyone's attention. Shivers run down the spines of the adults. Seems like now would be a good time as ever. Rosalind? Looks like there is something we can agree on after all. The crash of metal hitting the floor catches the group off guard, the sound muffled by the door to the back room. They all whirl around to face it, and Brady's face loses all color as the realization settles in. Alex? The static grows louder, the once cheery jingle devolving into a deeply garbled mess. From inside the back room, another crash is heard as a sadistic struggle begins to break out. The sound of boxes being flung against the walls is only second to the sound of Alex's screams as she cries desperately for help. Brady runs to the door and attempts to open it, only to find that the knob is unresponsive, almost as though it has been locked from the inside. Lloyd grabs Booger and leads them to the opposite end of the store, handing the fidget cube to the child and using his body to shield them from the panic. Rosalind watches Brady worriedly, unsure of her next move. Brady runs behind the register and grabs a key, quickly shoving it into the lock and turning it forcibly. He tries the knob again, but the door refuses to budge. What the- Another scream comes from inside, weaker now. Alex? There is no response. The static begins to fade, the advertisement becoming clearer now. Brady braces himself and begins to slam his shoulder against the door. Once, twice, and then the sounds of the struggle stop altogether. Brady freezes. There's the sound of a large object falling onto the ground. The overhead intercom stops, and the store falls into a nauseating silence. Brady tries the knob again, and this time, it opens. As he looks inside, a thick tentacle snakes away through a vent in the ceiling, just barely thin enough to fit through. His eyes fall to the floor, where he sees the collapsed body of Alex, eyes wide and bleeding, her neck covered in dark bruises. He runs to her body. Alex. <laughs> Brady falls to his knees, staring at her. He feels his stomach rise in his throat as he musters the strength to stand and back out of the room, closing the door behind him and sitting against it. Lloyd, Rosalind, and Booger all watch as he places his head in his hands and begins to sob. Oh. God. Oh, God. (laughs) 
The Deal of a Lifetime is written by Halika Campbell and Ellie Gossett. Directed by Alexandria Hunter. Assistant directed by Jordan Black. And stage managed by Claire Harris. Starring Beatrice DeGraw as the narrator, Elliot Montebrand as Lloyd, Robert Turner as Brady, Joy Dean as Rosalind, Abby Northrup as Alex, Margot Stewart as Casey, Sarah Ornelas as Booger and Stacy, with sound design by Aaliyah Tran, assistant sound design by Robert Turner, sound engineering by Abby Northrup, dramaturgy by Shayla Wacker. Special thanks to faculty advisor Lindsay Mantone and podcast consultants Kevin Curry and Kendall Harrison. Episode 2 of The Deal of a Lifetime will premiere on Friday, April 2nd.